and welcome everybody to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the weekend review for March 6th, 2020. But before I get to the weekend review where I uh, break down and analyze Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, and NWA Power, just want to cover a couple of topics before that. The first is some upcoming arrivals to AEW. We found out earlier this week, or was it last week? Either one, but uh, Lance Archer is all elite, former Lance Hoyton uh, TNA, and uh, Vance Archer in WWE. He kind of recreated himself in New Japan, became the uh, IWGP United States Champion. In the, uh, within the last year, and uh, he's kind of recreate, recreated himself. He's a beast, and uh, should be a good addition to uh, All Elite Wrestling. I'm not super familiar with his work, but I've heard that he's really done a good job of recreating himself in New Japan. So that should be a good addition to the All Elite Wrestling roster. Another addition... That could be coming soon for AEW. Is that Brody Lee, formerly known as Luke Harper in WWE, uh, should be debuting for All Elite Wrestling here soon. That's according to Dave Meltzer. He, he's expecting, there's an expectation that Lee will be debuting in his hometown of Rochester, New York, coming up soon. And that'd be March 18th. So that'd be another addition to AEW that should be pretty good. Is He's done some pretty good work in WWE. Has Luke Harper now, well, now known as Brody Lee. And then one other possible, uh, possible addition to AEW could be coming sooner rather than later. Thinking Matt Hardy... He let his contract expire earlier this week with WWE, ending on March 1st. And on Free the Delete, the Young Bucks showed up to the Hardy compound. Interesting. Makes us assume that he could be going to All Elite Wrestling. And there's been rumor and innuendo going around that he could be the exalted one. I'm assuming it's either him or Brody Lee. One of those two will be the exalted one. But should be fun nonetheless finding out who the exalted one is for AE, well, AEW, Dark Order, I mean. And uh, coming up this weekend, well, we came off one WWE pay per view with Super Showdown. And now we have another one this week. It is the Elimination Chamber, and the lack of build for this pay-per-view has been pretty bad. It's similar to Hell in a Cell, but at least they have the matches scheduled beforehand and not waiting until the Friday before to put a bunch of matches on the card. We already know what we're getting with this. We're in Natalia versus Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler versus Asuka versus Ruby Riot versus Sarah Logan to determine the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. The winner of that match will face Becky Lynch 
at WrestleMania, which is, this is the most obvious match to choose a winner in this pay-per-view. Shayna Baszler, it's pretty much just, they're pretty much just delaying the inevitable of Shayna Baszler facing Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. And the lack of intrigue in this is quite large for me. We know the winner. It's really obvious who it is. And the lack of formidable competitors in this match is kind of mind-boggling. Because Ruby Riot just came back. Sarah Logan's not even remotely close to contention. Asuka, she's already lost to Becky Lynch twice. Liv Morgan, she's got problems with Ruby Riot, and she's not even close to contention either. And Natalia, it could be the most interesting person in the match other than other than Shayna because she's had women's championship wins other than well, Asuka had one women's championship win, but she's kind of removed from that because she's lost to Becky twice already. But yeah, Natalia, she's just not very interesting to me, in my opinion. I'm just saying that flat out. She's a fantastic worker, but she's just not very interesting to me. But uh, Shayna Baszler is going to probably win that one. Uh, we got Braun Strowman defending his Intercontinental Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. Don't know much about this one. Haven't been paying attention to SmackDown all that much. I saw that they double-teamed him, triple-teamed him last week. But uh, Braun Strowman versus Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn in a three-on-one handicap match for the Intercontinental Championship. And then this was just completely thrown together, I felt like. The Tag Team Elimination Chamber, since we decided to go away from the Elimination Chamber for the men's, which would have been clearly obvious who was going to win that anyway, Roman Reigns, to face off Goldberg at WrestleMania, but they decided, oh, let's do a six, let's do a six-team elimination chamber match, tag team elimination chamber match with the Miz and John Morrison defending their championships against the New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston, the Usos, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, and Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. This has got to be one of the least intriguing elimination chamber matches I've seen in a while. It just seems very obvious that the Miz and Morrison are going to retain their titles. They just won them. And it doesn't. this doesn't seem like a match that's built up enough for an Elimination Chamber match. Like, for example, this is from 2005's New Year's Revolution. It's Triple H, Edge, Batista, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Randy Orton fighting for the World Heavyweight Championship in Elimination Chamber. Those guys all have a legit shot at winning the Elimination Chamber. But in this women's one or men's one, you don't feel like a lot of these teams are capable of winning it. You feel like one or two or three teams are, but really you think... In the men's one, you just think Morrison and Miz are going to win it because they just won the titles. And then Shayna Baszler, she seems like the only one that could possibly win the Raw Elimination Chamber, the well, the Raw Women's Championship number one contender 
Elimination Chamber. That's just my issue with it. And then they burn through another match. Three times in one week, we're gonna get to the we're gonna get the Street Profits defending their newly won Raw Tag Team Championships against Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. I don't need to see this a third time already. I hadn't watched the first one, but I'm just saying you can't burn through a match three times in a week, a little over a week time span. That's there is that's been WWE's issue is they burn through matches again and again and again and again. Like Roman Reigns, they Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, they ran that into the ground and under it. But we get a fresh matchup. Alistair Black versus AJ Styles. We didn't what we got last week of Alistair Black, AJ Styles was uh, Alistair Black getting beat down, and he was already beaten down before that AJ Styles match. So we didn't get like a really good version of Alistair Black. We should get it here. In a notice qualification match, Alistair Black versus AJ Styles should be fun. That one I'm actually looking forward to. That's really, honestly, that's really the one match I'm looking forward to on this card is Alistair Black versus AJ Styles because I know they're capable of having a really good one. And then we also get Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo for the United States Championship. Not really interested in seeing that. We've already seen it all. We've seen it already. It's just Humberto got a win this last week. They decided to throw him into another title match. I don't necessarily agree with it. But yeah, this card, I'm not too excited about really. I will have my review up for that on Tuesday for the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I'll watch that on Sunday slash Monday if I, could, if I can watch it all in one sitting. But uh, not too excited about this. It should be interesting to review because I a lot of these matches, in my opinion, have not been built up enough or they've been recycled multiple times. And let's get this thing started. Let's get the actual week in review going. Let's start out with Monday Night Raw, the go-home show before Elimination Chamber. And uh, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar started out. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman start out the Raw in Brooklyn. And they're talking about how WWE wants to sell you on Drew McIntyre, that the WrestleMania main event is the uh, sham. And they're talking about R- Brock's run in the Royal Rumble and how they the fans were like Pavlovian dogs and uh, cheered for Brock getting eliminated. And it's like, how can you? How can that tell you that Brock can get pinned or submitted by Drew McIntyre? And he's saying that once it once Brock gets his hands on Drew, it's going to be over like that. And he's going to get squashed at Mania. Drew interrupts it. Heyman leaves the ring. Drew gets in Brock's face. Brock tries to leave the, the ring. And then Brock sprints at him, gets Claymore in the face in a blink of an eye. And I, I like that. He gets Claymore two more times on the ramp. Drew poses with the championship. And at first, I felt like this was just another promo, Heyman promo that was going nowhere, but it turned into everything I wanted it to be and more. It makes like it makes Drew feel like a legitimate threat, and that Brock needs to take him seriously. 
and uh, it was really cool. I liked this segment a lot. It made Drew look like a total badass, and I love this segment to start Monday Night Raw. Then we get the Street Profits versus Seth Rollins and Murphy for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And this was a pretty good match. I was fine with everything that happened here late in the match. Rollins sends AOP down to the ring. The official kicks AOP out. KO hits a stunner while the ref was distracted by AOP and Murphy. Ford hits a frog splash on Rollins. The Street Profits win, and they are the Raw Tag Team Champions, the new Raw Tag Team Champions, and we'll get the rematch at Elimination Chamber this weekend. And uh, But what I, liked this, what I liked out of this was KO getting a leg up over Rollins. This is a good match, and it sets them up for their WrestleMania feud, which I think it'll be further set up during this uh, Street Profits and uh, ta- uh, Street Profits tag team match, tag team title match coming up at Elimination Chamber, I think it's gonna there's gonna be more of a setup for it with KO and Rollins at that pay per view. It'll it'll the story will really continue there and it'll really set things up heading towards WrestleMania. But uh, I felt like this was. I, one thing I did feel is this was overdue. They've been on the main roster, doing stuff on the main roster, doing a lot of talking and stuff for a while now. I it was this was necessary a while ago, because honestly they're the most over tag team in the comp in the on Raw right now, and hopefully we get we'll get AOP versus the Street Profits sooner rather than later. But they've got to capitalize off this. They have got to capitalize off this. And make the tag team division feel important because honestly, it doesn't feel important right now. It doesn't. We don't have any really contenders for the tag team championships right now. And the lack of tag team depth on Raw is pretty alarming right now. But uh, the Street Profits, they have an opportunity to become Raw's New Day. They, they, they're not going to get as popular as them, but they can get somewhat close to them because they got charisma, they got the ability, it's there. They can make a lot of money for you. But happy to see Street Profits winning the Tag Team Championships. Solid match, good segment, setting up more, furthering the uh, story of KO and Seth Rollins as they head towards WrestleMania. Then we get Char- Charlie with Rollins, then we get Charlie with Rollins saying he wants a, they want a, a reaction to losing the tag titles and pretty much just saying they're going to eradicate them and they'll take the tag titles back at the chamber. Kevin can name the time and place and stipulation and Rollins says KO will be crucified. After that, we get Ricochet versus Riddick Moss for the 24-7 championship. And Ricochet was coming off his big loss at Super Showdown where he got absolutely squashed in a minute and a half. And this further proves that I feel like McMahon's giving up on Ricochet. Because Ricochet loses here fairly quickly to Riddick Moss. Moss hits a back, big back elbow on Ricochet. Ricochet then hits a big standing Hurricane Rana, standing shooting star press for a two count. Ricochet's favoring his back after getting tossed around at Super Showdown. Riddick 
Keeps hitting him with big elbows and Siguri Ricochet. A clubbing blow by Moss and a neckbreaker finisher by Moss. Gets it done and beats Ricochet and defends his 24-7 championship. And, and I really thought this was absolutely stupid. Why put him in this match? It's He has no momentum anymore. None. Zero. Zilch. You killed that with the the Super Showdown squash, letting him get in, get in zero offense, and then have him lose to Riddick Moss, who's barely on, who's just barely been on Raw for maybe a month or so, and lose in a 24-7 championship match. Why? Why? Unless you're just giving up on him, pretty much, because it feels like they're just giving up on him a la Cedric Alexander. If he starts appearing on main event, you know it's a problem. I just can't believe this guy is so talented, and yet, oh, let's just freaking bury him underground. I don't understand it. It just seems like McMahon's given up on Ricochet. The dude has so much ability, and I guess McMahon just doesn't see it in him. I don't know, but this is this is beyond... Why put him in the match? I'm sorry, Riddick Moss is really just brand new to the roster, and... You, you have Ricochet, a guy that's established on there, lose to him. It's just mind-boggling at this point. I don't... McMahon, so stop, start with these guys. It doesn't... I don't know. Stop, start, pushes. Come on. And then you just give up on them as a whole. Just bothers me sometimes the way these some of these guys are booked and treated. After that, we get AJ Styles versus Aleister Black. We actually don't get that. We get Aleister Black versus Carl Anderson first. Black hits a black mask to beat him, but then he has to face Luke Gallows, so he continues to get beat down and stuff. Black starts his comeback when we return from a commercial break after a little bit of offense, and Gallows is dominating. Gallows hits some stops in the corner. He ignores the counts. Gets DQ'd, and then the OC comes in, beats down Alistair Black in the ring, and then AJ pretty much gets to pick up the scraps and hits a phenomenal forearm on Black after a few minutes and does the Undertaker cover on Black since Undertaker chokeslammed him and beat him at Super Showdown. And this is to send a message to the Undertaker... Black looked resilient here, looked like he could take a lot of punishment. He'll get his rematch at uh, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And Styles using underhanded tactics and excuses to get him an easy match. And this is hopefully setting up maybe Styles versus Taker at WrestleMania, or we'll get Taker and Aleister Black versus Styles and the OC at WrestleMania. After that, we get Ruby Riot with Charlie Caruso saying she's the only, the only one person that she's responsible for is herself. Will strike when she pleases. Says there's no friends in the elimination chamber. And after that, I missed a bit of this episode of Raw, so I watched the highlights of the next two matches. We got the Liv Morgan versus Ruby Riot with Sarah Logan as the referee. Morgan kicks out of a flatliner by Ruby Riot and accidentally hits Logan, then hits 
Morgan in the back with a clothesline for another two count. More, uh, Riot's angry with uh, Sarah Logan. They are you. Morgan gets a roll up on Riot. Quick count by Logan gives Ruby, uh, not Ruby Riot, but Liv Morgan the win. They bicker some, and then Riot, hits, Riot gets hit with a big enziguri by Morgan, and then Logan hits a knee on Morgan to stand tall. And this is just kind of setting up there all those three, those kind of that group's issues as they were the former Riot squad. And that'll probably be a little mini feud going on in the Elimination Chamber. I get that, but these all these three don't seem like they're contenders for the Women's Championship. I see, I get that they're trying to further a feud inside the Chamber, but it was all right from what it was, from what I got to see of the highlights. We had Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler. Baszler wins with the Carafuda clutch. That's fine. Uh, Becky showed up mid-match in an expensive coat and sunglasses trying to distract Baszler. At one time, she puts on the, the King's crown, Jerry the King Waller's crown, and she seems like a total D-bag now, kind of. She's starting to get a little too big for her own head, and I, I like that this is at least setting up her and Baszler at WrestleMania, and I feel like this is where Becky's going to get humbled and maybe dominated in that match. And really sets up a new champion to be like a, a real force. And the next match we got on Raw was Rey Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade and Angel Garza. And uh, it was a pretty fun tag team match, I, I thought. Uh, Humberto got a win after hitting a big moonsault and pinning Andrade. And, uh, but now Humberto, I thought, I think needs to put together some wins to get some momentum heading towards Mania to possibly unseat Andrade, but they already threw away the match. They're going to have Andrade versus Humberto at Elimination Chamber. So hopefully, I don't know what they're going to do here. I think they're going to take the title off Andrade, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen but I just don't like that they threw away this match already and not at Humberto get some wins because he hasn't had a lot of wins here recently. We find out that Aleister Black versus AJ Styles is going to be no DQ at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And then we get Beth Phoenix out to give a medical update on Edge before she even really gets going. Randy Orton shows up. And this is just a heck of a promo, heck of a segment. Orton tells a story back at from 1999 where Cowboy Bob, his dad, took him to meet agents. And Orton Orton says he was a fan at that point. Edge was one of the men to show his dad. Edge was the Edge was one man that showed Bob Orton's dad respect. And he told his dad that he was one of the best bad guys in the business and he was kind of one of the reasons why he wanted to break into the business. And how Orton sh- shook, a, well, Ed shook Orton's hand and said, wished him good luck. And maybe someday they'll work together in the ring. They find out later on they work together plenty in the ring. And Orton talks about himself making some bad life choices and Edge helping him out of the hole and talking about him being a dad and stuff. Edge saved his Orton's life. And Orton says he saved Edge's life by doing what he did. 
And since Orton did what he did, Edge is going to be able to be there for his kids. He said it because he loves Edge, her, and his his uh, two little girls. Edge's two little girls. But everybody's everyone's saying that it's his fault, but it's actually Beth's fault. She enabled Edge to do what he did. She enabled Edge to come back. She said, Edge is a junkie for the roar of the crowd, and you didn't stop him. Orton stopped him because Orton says he loves their little girls and Edge more than Beth ever could. And this sets Beth off. And and then he says, truth hurt, don't it? Orton says. And uh, Orton calls Beth the term for a female dog. Beth kicks him. Orton RKO's her. And like I said, this was an awesome, awesome, awesome segment to end Raw. Superstars and officials and doctors come out to check on Beth. The emotion really that went into this was just fantastic. You got where Orton was coming from, but Orton manipulated Beth's emotions and Orton looked like a total a-hole after this. And this like is going to turn up the emotion uh, up a notch at WrestleMania for their match for the match between Edge and Orton we're going to ultimately get. And this is going to make fans clamor for Edge to get his hands on Orton because Orton just looks like a psychotic a-hole. But the RKO on Beth was perfect. And Orton's demeanor, tone, and emotions on this promo were just freaking awesome along with Beth's. It was just a fantastic promo to end Raw. This episode of Raw was all right. They had some good stuff in there, but some of this was... Eh, unnecessary, I thought, but the especially the overkill with the AJ Styles, Aleister Black stuff. If you're going to give us AJ Styles, give us AJ Styles versus Aleister Black. But if you're going to give us Carl Anderson versus AJ Styles, not versus AJ Styles, but versus Aleister Black, might as well have just given us that and let us know, and then just oh, have us waiting. It's like, oh, we're going to Aleister Black versus AJ Styles at the Elimination Chamber. That'd been nice, but we did it here in a roundabout way which is set up a rematch which I'm fine with but there's a better way of doing that and then the Ricochet Riddick Moss thing that was complete garbage I thought Street Profits winning the tag team championships good and the the Brock stuff with uh, Drew McIntyre that was really good stuff but really yeah the really good stuff on this show was Brock the Brock stuff with Drew McIntyre and really, the the Randy Orton, Beth Phoenix promo at the end of the show. That was just absolutely fan-freaking-tastic. But yeah, this is an up-and-down Raw. Kind of middle of the road. I liked Raw better last week, but yeah, this is very up-and-down. Uh, AEW Dynamite this week. It was uh, the follow-up from Revolution... And Moxley comes out to talk, but uh, Moxley talking about the fans, how he brought pro wrestling back, and he'll defend his belt with his life, and he's pretty much saying nobody has what it takes to take it from him. And uh, he's asking, he's pretty much daring Inner Circle to come after him. And for Jericho, it's probably, watching him in the ring with this title, it's probably... Similar to having acid in his mouth. And Jericho comes out, lets his music play for a bit. 
And he tells him that he doesn't need the belt to be Le Champion. Fans disagree. Moxley's Moxley era has begun, and Jericho thinks it sucks. And pretty much Moxley's championship win was based off a lie because Moxley revealed that he could actually see after all in this in the match at Revolution where Moxley won the AEW World Championship. And Jericho said he trained for a better part of three months to fight a guy with one eye and and pretty much makes Moxley a liar to him and all his fans. And it says he won the un- won the title unfairly. And what was a good-natured and good-looking inner circle turned them now into a hit squad. And they're putting the whole roster on notice. They're going to tear everyone apart and hurt people, starting with Moxley. And after the main event, he pretty much guarantees Moxley will not walk out on his two feet. And he throws this little wager in. Where if Moxley doesn't walk out on his feet, Jericho will take a leave of absence for 60 days if Moxley's able to walk out on his own tonight. And this was a tease for Moxley, not Moxley, for Jericho going on tour with Fozzie. But he's, we find out later, well, I'll let you know. <laughs> Jericho says he always has a plan. And at first I said this, I thought this was a reason to write Jericho off TV while Moxley, not while Moxley, but while he's on, while Jericho's on tour with Fozzie. But we'll, we find out later in the night that that's not true. Jericho and Guevara versus Moxley and Allen, that's happening later in the night. But Moxley says he'll do the same thing as he did on Saturday against Jericho and Guevara tonight. And But I thought this was a pretty good way to start the show. Good follow-up to Moxley's World Championship win. Normally, they don't start with promos, but I was fine with it here. And But I thought this was a good way to start, especially off the title win from Moxley at Revolution. We get SCU and Colt Cabana versus Dark Order, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Stu Grayson, and Evil Uno. Late in the match, uh, Daniels puts Grayson on his face. Hot tag to Kazarian. Kazarian on fire. Scoop slams. On both Silver and Reynolds, signature springboard leg drop. Match breaks down after Uno gets involved. Uno in the ring by himself with SEU against him. Grayson attacks, gets thrown into the ring post. Double team offense on Reynolds. A cutter by Kazarian almost gets it done for him. And then Uno boots Scorpio Sky. Kaz tags in Colt Cabana, goes for the elbow and gets poked in the eye. Cabana hits a moonsault. Reynolds almost gets a roll-up. Cabana on the middle rope with Reynolds just dropping him on it. So Cabana drops Reynolds on the top or, uh, top rope. And Sky hits a tope con Hilo on the outside. Superman pin from Colt Cabana gets the win. I thought this was a fun tag team match between the two. And Uno gets on the mic after the match says, This is not the way it was supposed to go. The Exalted One will be furious. And he says, when he arrives, heads will roll. We don't get anybody showing up. The Exalted One doesn't show up. But that's fine. They're continuing to build up to that moment. And Dark Order was a very rocky start for them. Has made them one of the more intriguing acts in the company. Because you're just waiting to find out who the Exalted One is. You're like, oh my gosh, who is it? Is it Matt Hardy? Is it Brody Lee? Who knows? I get that's, that's what wrestling's supposed to do. When they are teasing something 
supposed to get you excited. It's supposed to get you, oh, what's going to happen? What are we going to get? What? Are, who, who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the guy? And speaking of that, I forgot to, to touch on one thing on Raw. The reveal of Eric Rowan's thing in the cage. It was a big, giant, freaking spider. We waited for a over a month and stuff. And I wasn't anticipating it anymore because I was knew it was just going to be freaking awful. And we got that. Just absolutely stupid. A complete waste of Eric Rowan. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But back to a more positive point, AEW with Dark Order. The teases have made us excited to see that. That's what it's supposed to do. When a big reveal is supposed to happen, we're supposed to be excited to find out who it is. Intrigued by it. The Rowan thing in the cage, I wasn't intrigued by it. But this Dark Order stuff, I'm intrigued by it. Because it makes me want to want to know who will be the exalted one. And it'll be an exciting reveal. But they can't, but one thing AEW can't do in this situation is wait too long. Because that's what they did with Eric Rowan's thing in the cage. They waited too long. And it was just kind of dumb in the first place. This is not dumb. This is an exciting thing. Because this could be a big new leader and for the Dark Order. And the Dark Order became one of the most interesting acts in AEW. Then we get a video recap of the amazing tag title match. We saw at Revolution with some quotes from wrestling journalists Brian Alvarez, Wade Keller, and Dave Meltzer. After that, we get Big Swole versus Leva Bates with Peter Avalon. Worst thing on the show, but... You know what? It was all right. It was short, which it needed to be. Big Swole gets a win after a ripcord forearm. And what I saw on this, Leva Bates' offense did not look good here. She looked very clumsy. Like I said, it was as long as it needed to be. Swole gets a win, gets some momentum going. Then we get a video recap of MJF and Cody at Revolution. Cody comes out to talk after his loss. Crowd's going nuts for him. And what it meant professionally what he lost in that was a pay-per-view bonus, a winner's purse. And the only way he'd be comfortable would be MJF to come out right now, look him square in the eye, and says he beat him fair and square. But a surprise comes out. Jake the Snake Roberts. And Jake the Snake is tired of Cody whining. And Jake said Cody got his ass kicked and says there's n- he's not there to praise him, but to slay him. Says he has a client. And the dark side's coming to AEW. And I, I, I'm i assuming it's either Brody Lee or Lance Archer. Talks about his 20 years to get clean and get right. Calls Arn Anderson a one-trick pony. That's a shot at Cody. And uh, he says, Caesar, oh Caesar, what a snake wants, what a snake, what a snake wants, a snake takes. Jake says he's there to take Cody's share. Told to never turn his back on someone you respect you respect, or you're afraid of. But really, this was a great promo by Jake, showing great fire here. And I remember hearing that Jake Roberts was a great promo. He did that just here, and it was very good. And it's setting up Cody's next feud, building up this guy that Jake the Snake Roberts is going to manage. And it's making us wonder who the client is, which I'm intrigued to find out. I think it's Harper, but I... I thinking they might be going with Lance Archer. Either way, it's going to be a good thing for either uh, Lee or Archer. After that, we get Chuck Taylor with the O with Orange Cassidy and Trent versus Pack. 
And I thought this was a solid match. Uh, late in the match, Chuck hits a Falcon Arrow springboard cutter by Pack. Then Chuck hits a pile driver on him. Pack kicks out at two and seven eighths. And then Chuck misses with a moonsault and puts gets put gets a brutalizer put in on him by Pack. He has to quit. And what I found what I got from this match was Chuck is a solid worker and really. This whole group is capable of having good singles matches. Orange Cassidy proved that at Revolution. Trent, he's been doing that a lot. And Chuck, he finally got a chance to do it here. And these guys are having really good matches. But uh, Trent and Pack post-match lock eyes. Orange moves them out of the way. Lucha Bros show up, come out to double super kick Cassidy. And then Lucha Bros and Pack beat up those three. Pack hits, grabs a mic, actually gets... Cassidy gets hit with a package pile driver combo, but uh, Pac says they are death triangle, and AEW did it to themselves. This is going to be a scary faction. These guys are scary people. The uh, Lucha Bros and Pac, it should be interesting faction, but uh, I've noticed one thing. We have a lot of factions and groups in AEW. Sometimes hard to keep track of them, but uh, hopefully they do a good job with this one here, but uh, I'm fine with these three working together. We get Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard after that saying they've been and are on a search for a tag team partner, which has started some stuff on social media. I've seen Simon Miller from What Culture getting in on it, but it's been fun. But he hasn't been on TV in a while and has Spears. But at least it gives us a reason why he's been gone, is that he's been looking for a tag team partner. After that, we get QT Marshall with Dustin Rhodes and Brandy versus Jake Hager with Santana and Ortiz, and uh, late in the match is a big clothesline by Hager, and gets the winner, well, Hager wins with a standing arm triangle, doesn't let it go, Dustin tries to fight off Santana and Ortiz, Cody comes out to help, Cody gets hit in the back with a chair by Ortiz, Matt Jackson super kicks, proud and powerful, he's fighting Hager, Hager dumps him, they gang up on him, And then Paige comes down looking like he's drunk with a drink in his hand. He sets the drink down on the post. Fights Hager, Ortiz, and Santana. Hager throws him to the outside to the apron. Paige stays on his feet, hits the buckshot on Hager, drinks his beer, and he still won't embrace Matt. Ends up actually flipping him off and leaving. Then we get Nyla Rose and Statlander's match highlights from Revolution. But yeah, I'll comment on the the thing it's continuing the issues with Paige and Matt Jackson. I'm fine with that. Nick wasn't there this week, but yeah, this continues the issues between Paige and the Elite as a whole. But yeah, we get the Nyla Rose and Statlander match highlights from Revolution. Then we get MJ backstage cutting a promo about his win and says he was the final chapter in Cody's Odyssey. Legacy will read MJF, greatest world champion in the history of professional wrestling. So he'll be saying he will become the number one contender. Doesn't care what anyone, anyone thinks, and will remain undefeated because he's better than you. And has Wardlow remove his jacket. And there's a funny Cody shirt. It says, "I pinned Cody," and he makes fun of Cody's neck tattoo at the end of it, which was a icing on the cake for that. Very good backstage promo from MJF. Something we're used to. After that, we get the main event, Darby Allen versus 
and John Darby Allen and John Moxley versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. And this was this was actually a two-on-one handicap match because Moxley got jumped before the match even started by Inner Circle uh, Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager. They jump him backstage, jump him in the kind of the concession area. Uh, Hager ends up choking him out with the uh, arm triangle. Allen tries to fight back and tries to win the match, but it's just too much. Inner Circle wins after uh, Jericho hits a spinning back elbow, hits the Judas effect on a diving Darby Allen on the outside. And uh, Darby in this match showed great fire. Almost was able to come back against Guevara and Chris Jericho, but the numbers game was just too much for him. And Inner Circle wins the match. Jericho and Guevara do. And uh, Moxley, post-match, runs down with the chair, clears the rings, hits the paradigm shift on Guevara. Moxley's still standing. Hager jumps him from behind again. And then it's just a four-on-one onslaught that continues. Moxley was on his feet for a moment. And then a standing arm triangle on Moxley again from Hager. And then Jericho and Proud and Powerful triple power bomb him off the stage through the tables. And uh, they flip him off to end the show. And Inner Circle stands tall. And that's what we got. We thought Jericho could be gone for 60 days as he was teasing that possibly going on his concert tour, but it doesn't, it supposedly doesn't interfere with him working for AEW. So that was a nice little tease there. I, I enjoyed that. And really, this is an overall really good follow-up to AEW Revolution. Good stuff from Trent, and, uh, not Trent, but Pack and Chuck Taylor. The tag team match was pretty good. The six-man, as we further along the story of who is the exalted one, and the good promo at the beginning by Moxley. And also in this show was the main event, which I thought was pretty good. But uh, yeah, still a solid show from AEW. A couple things I didn't like was the uh, QT Marshall match with uh, Jake Hager. And then the Big Swole match with uh, Leva Bates. And then also we got a really good promo from Jake the Snake and Cody. The promo work on this show was great. The wrestling was all right. The Chuck Taylor Chuck Taylor match and Trent Chuck Taylor and uh Pack match that really stood out for me on this show along with the Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara match. NWA Power for this week. Uh we start out with uh Sean Mooney making an announcement for two title matches, Bouncers versus Eli Drake and James Storm and Zicky Dice and Ricky Starks for the TV title. We get Zicky Dice versus Ricky Starks to start out the show for the NWA TV Championship. And uh, they kind of taunt back and forth. Uh, Zicky Dice taunts early on for like the first 20 seconds. And then at one time they're doing push-ups against one another. Uh, but there's some good stuff in this match. Uh, late, it was Zicky controlling the, the action. Uh, Starks botched a tornado DDT, a falcon arrow he hits on Dice for a near fall. And then Dice reverses an Irish whip attempt into his own in a clothesline in the corner. Eventually hits his snake rattle and roll neck breaker. And positions Starks towards the ropes. 
and Starks has his foot under the rope before the official can count to three. And uh, Dice grabs his fanny pack, throws it at Starks, and he tries to get the ref to disqualify Starks or whatever, or distract the ref at least, because he thinks Starks is going to use the fanny pack on him. And Starks like, no way, you don't think, I'm not going to use that. Starks hits an atomic drop on Dice after that, looks for the stroke that, uh, looks for his, uh, double underhook, uh, face buster. Dice throws him over into a victory roll attempt. And Dice sits on him, gets the one, two, three to win the title. I'm fine with this. And it's it's interesting that with that seven, uh, the magic number seven, if you win those seven matches, you get an NWA World Championship shot. It makes every title defense seem important. Dice wins the title here. I'm fine with that. He's a great heel. He's going to be a great heel champion. And then Dice cut, tries to cut a promo with Marquez, but gets interrupted by Latimer. He wants Galley, and he says, you want Camille to speak? And he's like, you got a gift. And he says... Camille will speak next week, next time, and Galley thanks him for the update. Let me get some announcements from Sean Mooney about tickets for the Crockett Cup and upcoming episodes of NWA Power. And there was a media kind of roundup at the Gateway Center Arena, home of the 2020 Crockett Cup. And Kyle Davis is the host. Marty pretty much says history will be made, and it's all pro wrestling's always known since he was little. And that's why he needs to win. He gives up size, but makes it up in professional wrestling knowledge. Nick Aldis then talks about his reign in NWA. And there's the national treasure, Nick Aldis, and everybody else. And then Marty says he has the chance to live forever if he's able to beat Nick Aldis. And then we get a video showing the match and attack on Murdoch last week by Stevens in question mark. And... He wants. They talk about wanting a tag team title match, and they've been not been denied an an opportunity. Adam and uh, Steven says he's a nice person, but the best thing they can do is challenge legends that are synonymous with the tag belts. Wants someone to wake them up, possibly, and bring them out because they're so old. And Rock and Roll Express comes out and says, after five, four or five decades, you're finally sharing the screen with me. That's Steven saying that part, which was kind of funny. And they kind of pose for a picture for a moment. And uh, Steven says he wants a match with them to help them out. Steven's proposed they do business, which he means that Rock and Roll Express's job's out to him, just loses to him on purpose. And he offers them to bring them to Hollywood if they're able to do that for him. Mort says, we'll fight on TV. And he winks, excuse me, and says, we'll do some business. And, uh, kind of air quotes. So I thought this was fine. Sets up a tag match between Rock and Roll Express and Aaron Stevens and the question mark coming up next week. And uh, it's been a solid show so far. And then we get a last chance match. Actually, we get a video first showing the events at the end of Power last week where Camille speared Allison K. We get the last chance match with one of these teams, with one of these teams' uh, contracts will expire. It's the Dawsons versus Caleb Conley and C.W. Anderson in a tornado tag match, which I enjoyed this quite a bit. The Dawsons dominated for the most part. Uh, 
They kept kicking out of the big stuff by the Dawsons. Anderson breaks up a pin at one time, and then Dawsons hit some double-team offense again for another near fall. Dave Dawson's on the floor. Uh, Tope Suicida by Conley. Double-team offense. A spine buster by Anderson and a moonsault by Conley get it done. And then we find out that Dawson's contract will expire. And this honestly was a pretty enjoyable match. I kind of gave you a really short version of it. But uh, Conley, I feel like he has a lot of potential here. He's got a a different style than most everyone in the NWA. He's got a little high-flying style. And but yeah, we haven't seen him used a ton, but yeah, you show some you saw some fire and you saw some potential in him here. And hopefully he'll bring a little bit of different flavor of offense to NWA. But a solid match nonetheless. Conley and C.W. Anderson getting the win, earning contracts, or well, at least C.W. Anderson earning a contract and Conley's contract hopefully getting extended. And then Sean Mooney talking the broadcast schedule, Circle Squared next week. So it'll be a different kind of setup for next week. We'll probably do Ring of Honor TV again next week to watch on this uh, weekend on the weekend review. We'll have Ring of Honor TV, Monday Night Raw, and uh, AEW Dynamite. Or I might switch it up. We let's think. I might do Friday Night SmackDown. My Fridays are actually freed up now, so I can actually do Friday Night SmackDown. So actually, let's do this. We're going to do Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, and Friday Night SmackDown coming up next week on the Weekend Review. We'll do that, and I'll come to you next, actually, Saturday. I'll have it up on Saturday next week, and actually, we'll start doing that Saturdays. It'll be Saturday mornings when the Weekend Review will drop moving forward. But yeah, the, the broadcast schedule, Circle Squared next week, Super Power on March 17th, a big episode of Power, where Aaron Stevens and the Question Mark will take on the Rock and Roll Express, Jax Dane versus Tim Storm, and we'll find out who will face Thunder Rosa for the NWA World Women's World Championship at the Crockett Cup. And we also get Marty Skrull and Brody King versus Nick Aldis and Tom Latimer. We get Galley with Mae Valentine and Sal Renaro. And Valentine's talking about her vlog. And Sal works with her on the vlog and her new lingerie line. And they're one month out from coming back that Sal is... Well, Sal's one month out from coming back saying his injury was actually kind of a blessing. He wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to be Meg's BFF and help her with her lingerie line. And uh, May says the world's not ready for Camille to talk. And Galley proposes her proposes that she does a episode of her blog our vlog here and she does Roy shows up in a Hawaiian shirt throws Sal away grabs his other arm puts it on the steps and he's threatened to stomp on it break the other arm because he's upset with uh, May May implores her not to and he doesn't do it eventually which was all right and it's kind of a jealousy thing I think here with May and uh, uh, Sal uh, Royce is not very happy with it. I'm fine with it. It makes sense. And then we get Eli Drake and James Storm with Eddie Kingston defending their tag team championships against the Bouncers, the Beer City Bruiser, and Brian Malonis. And I thought this was a pretty good tag match. Uh, late in the match, Drake comes out on fire, sends Storm airborne into Bruiser, and Malonis, he almost pins Bruiser. They smash Drake by running into one each other, one another, do the bouncers, and then Storm almost gets pinned by Malonis after a big offensive move. 
Malonis grabs Storm's leg. Drake knocks Bruiser off the top rope. Hits a sunset flip powerbomb. Does Storm. They hit a double team body slam on Malonis. A super kick and an elbow drop combo on Bruiser from Storm and Drake. Get the job done and winning that, winning that match and retaining their tag championships. All while Kingston staring down Pope outside the ring because they did him dirty last week. Paying off the bouncers and kind of beating them down. But I thought this was a fun tag match to close the show. Kingston, like he's wanting to fight Pope. Pope refuses, kind of dodging him like a dog. But this was a pretty good episode of NWA Power. Better than last week, in my opinion. And that was, yeah, I'll say it's a lot better than the episode of Power last week. But uh, that closes out the kind of rundown. And a review of these shows, I'll give you the rankings for this week. Monday Night Raw, that finishes out at number three. It was very up and down this week with Monday Night Raw. Number two, NWA Power, very consistent show top to bottom. I thought everything made sense. Everything was good here. Wrestling was better than last week, and I was totally fine with it. And then number one, AEW Dynamite. They brought it as usual. Everything was pretty good other than like two little things, which was the big swole match. And the QT Marshall against Jake Hager match. Those are the two things I didn't like from it, but really, that show was very, very good top to bottom. Monday Night Raw, three. NWA Power at two. And number one, AEW Dynamite. But yeah, that'll do it for the weekend review for this week. Make sure to tune in when I have my Elimination Chamber review up on Tuesday, followed by the weekend review coming up next Saturday, where I'll be reviewing, run down, and rank the... But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.